Wand of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh, as always, joined by my co-host 610 Funquist and 610, two full days of action this week. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, hi, guys, by the way. Uh, first and foremost, I really hate doing these remote podcasts. I really, really hate them. Yeah, it's it's tough to get the, the hours lined up because you're nine hours ahead. I'm nine hours behind. We're both yeah. busy with things going on so hopefully we don't have to do it for a whole lot longer but at the moment uh just got to be patient unfortunately which uh, isn't always my strong suit i'm not the most patient of people no i get easily bored uh by like waiting for stuff i get bored i want things to happen right now and patience is they say patience is a virtue but when you've got kids patience goes away (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's fair um, and uh just not not knowing when i'll be returning to sweden is is tough but yeah we'll uh we'll we'll do our best and uh coming up on the episode today it is our first episode in a few that we have an interview uh yeah. 16 yes. uh, if you want to yeah i sat down with a former what if you just want to tell us about that, I said. Yeah, okay. You just disappeared from my screen altogether. That's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. well, I sat down with the former lean shopping goalie, current uh, Ottawa Senators goalie, Marcus Hogberg, the other day. Actually, we sat down twice because we lost the first recording. And, uh, yeah, things kind of went downhill from that. And uh, the second time we sat down, we were kind of on a time crunch. So we didn't actually get to everything I wanted to talk to him about. Uh, which you can kind of tell in the by the end of the interview. But we did go through kind of some cool stuff, some tragic stuff, uh, where he's at in life right now and what's going on. So I hope you really will enjoy that. And please provide us feedback. I should also mention that we had uh, some listener uh, questions from at least our Tobias, our patron. I did get to a few of them myself, but I kind of lost Wi-Fi connection, so I didn't get to bring them up all together. However, Tobias, I will I promise you I will ask him all those questions when he gets back on, because he's promised he'll be back on once he's back in Ottawa. So uh, some kind of cliffhanger for you there as well. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, should we do a quick recap of all the action this week? Because, yeah, like I said, two full game or two full days of games, Thursday and Saturday, both saw all 14 teams in action and uh, a couple of teams still undefeated after this week's uh, play. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start? Pick a game and we can go we can go through. I'm, I'm well, pretty... just go start to finish. So I left you with the 3-1 win over for Lunda back on Thursday evening. Yeah, decent showing for them. I didn't actually watch that game, um, but Kjellefjö back home, obviously a great, obviously a great team. Um, Jesper Fredén had a decent outing, scoring a hat trick, and that was the second hat trick. Well, sorry, first out of two hat tricks this week. Uh, actually, not from him, but that we got to watch. And uh, I should mention that Andreas Wingerli, who scored, uh, sorry, who got a first assist on their first goal also has re-signed with the team. I think his new contract extension runs through 2023, maybe? That's a big lockup for Haleftu, too. Yeah, I re- really like uh, Ringer Lee's plays. Uh, he's a fast guy, and he's got good hands, so uh, that's a that's a good good uh, lockup for, for Haleftu there. Yeah. Uh, Haleftu looked solid. Uh, they've been... They haven't been... Um, what should, how should I put it? They haven't been the powerhouse of, like... We 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 kind of expected them. I think mm-hmm. they. Sorry, I'm I'm fairly sure. Yeah, 2023. Yeah, sorry, I just had to double check that. Uh, I I was kind of expecting Kolefti to go open up a bit 
a bit more competitive. Um, they've got five points in four games. We should we will run through their second game in a minute, but uh, I kind of expected them to be a bit higher. Uh, it's still only four games, but yeah, I kind of expected more from them right now. But like we've yeah. been talking about before, they got a new coach and things might not have settled down altogether right just right. So. Yeah, they've uh, been off to a bit of a slow start, but obviously coming away with that three-one win, especially over Fralunda, is uh, is is a good thing for them. And uh, well, speaking of good things, moving on to the next game, your Gordon coming into their matchup against Malmo, we're looking for their first win of the season, and they got it in uh, in in a big fashion, shutting out the Red Hawks with a three-nothing victory. They did, and they did so while not impressing that much. If you're asking uh, Robert Olson, their their coach, because the way I uh, saw things, well, they, I, the way I heard, sorry, uh, is that they did some stuff fairly well, but they wanted to improve even more um, on their details in, in the play, like power play. They hadn't scored a goal on, on the power play through that game. They did score twice Saturday, but we'll, we'll take that in a minute. Um, but the, the details in the game, like the breakouts, their their puck position play, and also the play before in front of their, their own net, Apparently, they weren't that satisfied with that, despite winning 3 nothing, um, thereby shutting out Malmö. So, um, standards are high in Jurgården, obviously. Um, they, their preseason hasn't been uh, <laughs> a surefire <laughs> lockdown to, to, to kind of establish them as a top-tier team. But, but that win kind of... I thought they, that would kind, would kind of pave the way for them going forward. Yeah, and uh, one thing that kind of jumps off the statistic page right here is this was a, a really kind of penalty-heavy game. Uh, Jurgen had 33 penalty minutes, and Malmo had 20. And I haven't seen the highlights from the game, but uh, are you able to provide any insight into what happened there? Um, not from that particular game, but I did watch Jurgen yesterday, Saturday, so we can jump to that game. And Jurgen are having massive troubles with their new with the new rules because. We should mention like stick uh, infractions with the stick, like hooking, slashings, uh, slashing up top, are instantly a two-minute minor now. So you see a lot of power plays. Many fans are kind of complaining because there's been so much special teams that you haven't really seen a five-on-five game through and through. That the, the special teams have. Uh, it, this doesn't always uh, only goes to the Eurogorn games. Like in, this is in general, um, but Eurogorn kind of. I think they're having massive troubles with this. And that's because of two things. They're a fairly young team. So I think the younger guys kind of quote unquote cheat a bit. And now they get caught doing so with the, you know, the, the, the little extra slash or the, the small hook or whatever. And you get instantly penalized by that. And also jumping to the Jugend on Saturday game, they got two or even three, uh, either puck out penalties or too many men on the ice penalties while there or they were on the penalty kill so they went down three uh, three versus five or five on three if you want to throw it that way like two or three times yesterday and you can't do that no you really can't and i mean sure the rules are the same for everybody but your garden are kind of exceptional to me yeah i, and, I don't uh, know what's going on well, we had talked about it on the previous episode as well, and it's just any time you know new rules are implemented in any league, really, there is an adjustment period that teams have to you know adjust to these things. But uh, like you said, you're Gordon uh, kind of shooting themselves in the foot. 33 penalty minutes, but they still managed to come away with the shutout victory. But definitely, certainly a part of their game, they're going to have to improve moving we forward. We should also mention that that Dick Axelson got 
uh, a game misconduct penalty that so that, that kind of ran away the score there uh, we got a 10 plus game I, I think whatever that added up to but but uh, five plus game I think uh, and he got suspended for a couple of games for using abusive language uh, <laughs> between the locker rooms so that was kind of interesting but uh, we can go into that d- debate further down the road because yeah that's another thing but yeah he got a two or three game uh, suspension for that so he did not play yesterday uh, next Thursday night game uh, from a team that honestly is surprising me with how well they've been playing so far, Arebro, with the 5-3 victory over Lexand, and then uh, also just skipping ahead to Saturday as well, Arebro had a big 6-4 victory over Lin Shoping. Let's talk about their hot start, because they have claimed all 12 points so far this season. I really like watching Arebro play hockey, man. I haven't said, said that in a long time, but they're looking... From goalie, uh, from the goalie out, they're so solid. They're they got a th- solid tactic, solid strategy for how to approach the game. They're building with what they've got, and they've got a whole lot of firepower. But they they kind of using they're kind of using everyone to their complete like to their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like what they're doing here. Um. I know we've talked about Jonas Enroth, their goalie, being one of the top goalies in the league, and he he he, he kind of excels because I, I, when I look at him play, he's not the biggest goalie. I think he's six foot, like on the dot, six foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's not a big goalie. It's more of an you know athletic goalie moving around quite a lot, but he's so quick, and it might be the bigger rink doing it, but he's he's. He can read the play pretty much the entire time, and he gets a lot of good help from his defensemen as well, of course. But Erbro, they they're looking really solid, and they did so. I didn't watch the complete um, Linköping game, but but they're looking um, interesting. It might might be there might be a dark horse actually coming in first. I gotta yeah, say. I- I really like what they're doing so far, and they've put together some great performances, uh, especially uh, on uh, Thursday against Lexand, um, the second hat-trick of the week, Linus Oberg, uh, scoring three goals, two of which came in the third period when uh, Lexand was making a push to try and get back in the game. And so that's a big performance there from Linus Oberg. They also got one from Rodrigo Abels. They got one from Borna Rendulic as well. So they're getting a lot of offense production right now. Rodrigo Abels, his his goal, I think that was a shorty. Um, he broke through and he fired it kind of underneath the right hand, let's say right arm, I believe, of the Lexan goalie, and just it it was such a good goal. He, he fired it so fast, it, it he was completely without a chance the goalie, and it was a really nice goal. Uh, underrated shooter, Rodrigo Abels, I gotta say. Um, yeah, and then uh, obviously we should they're, also they're mention. Big mentioned that Marek Rivik uh, got an assist in this game, and he also got an assist on Lexan's uh, game Saturday, making him... No, actually, he got... Sorry, he got two assists in, on Thursday, making him the first player ever to score eight assists in his first three or four games in, of the season ever, which is kind of cool. That's crazy. Eight yeah. assists. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. But yeah, and then jumping ahead to Saturday for Oraybro, their big 6-4 victory over Lynn Schoping, and... Uh, Linchoping's struggles continue do. to plague them early in the season. Uh, and I don't. I I, I feel <clears throat> I'm piling on the guy, but you, 
I'm questioning Niklas Lundström as an SHL goalie, man. I really feel sorry for him. We, we did question the signing before this season. Uh, I was obviously thinking he'd come in as a clear-cut second goalie or a backup goalie, but now with Yusirinas haven't played a single game since his, since his arrival due to, I don't know, reasons. So Lundström has to carry the load and he doesn't do a very good job. Uh, in the second period against Brynäs Thursday, which in a game which Linköping actually won on overtime, he let in three goals on six shots in the second period. You can't do that, no matter what the shots are. You, you're gonna st- you're gonna have to stop at least five. Possibly you should stop all six. If you if you haven't if you don't have that bigger workload during your period, you can't do that. No, yeah, uh, absolutely. If, if uh, and and that 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 also is kind of it speaks to the fact that you know sometimes getting more shots on net as far as the goaltender is concerned is good for the goalie because you know if if you're sitting between the pipes not getting a lot of action you get a little cold get, maybe you get a little complacent and uh, like we see there three goals on six shots so yeah and I I'm sorry I don't I really don't mean to pile on the guy I'm sure he's a great guy but as a goalie you can his saves percentage through four games is eighty five fifty nine. You can't have that. No. He's an eight-five-six goalie. He's he's got a goals against average at three ninety-nine per game. I'm sorry, yeah. but if if you can't play the goalie, play the system to help the goalie, and it doesn't look like Linköping is doing that right now. No. Offensively, no. they're really good. It looks really good offensively, and I well, said yeah. so earlier. But you cannot let your goalie or leave him leave him out, hang him out to dry. You can't do that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, in that 6-4 loss against Arevro, Linköping registered 36 shots, 16 of which came in the third period when they were trying to get back in the game. So they they obviously have some fight in them. They've got some good offensive power up front. But uh, like you said, the back end, uh, the goaltending, it's uh, definitely... Um, well, it's kind of a situation we've seen before in Linköping when it comes yes. to goaltending. Um, the last few seasons, they've had really inconsistent goaltending, despite the fact that they've had Jonas Gustafsson between the pipes, uh, and have been really hot and cold. And so that's 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 one of the issues that seems to be following Linköping season to season. Yeah, and I don't know what they're going to do about it because, well. It's not up to me, but it's really interesting. Linköping had a really slow start last season. They were among the bottom two teams. Will it? Will they go down the same path this season? And will we see, or will we see some changes? Because I'm not. I, I really trust the system Barrett Robertson is doing, but he has to adapt it a bit. I believe. I really yeah. do. Uh, we're not going to get caught up on that, but uh, you, you, things aren't looking real good for Linköping now. They're play. Uh, they're, they're playing Rögle <laughs> Thursday as well. So. Uh, they cut their hands full. Moving on to the next game, Lulio and HV71. And coming into the third period in this game, Lulio had the uh, 5-2 lead. Uh, HV71, though, put up a pretty good performance trying to push push back in the third period with a pair of goals, but just not enough and uh, continuing their, uh, their hot streak to the season. Yeah, I, I mean, HV71... They they found their groove, um, which they also showed Saturday. But but against Lulio, there there you could you could really see that there's a difference between the teams here. Lulio is a tough tier team. HP seventy one on the some sort of rebuild still. They got away some way to go. They got a really nice team going. And, but I think you gotta lower your expectations. Being an HP seventy one fan, you gotta aim for those like 
fourth to seventh place maybe getting back into it and with a new coach everything like that so that was their fourth straight uh, loss they were still without a point heading into saturday and things didn't start well for them saturday as well but lulio yeah they're picked up right where they left off man and uh, they're looking really good well, it, uh, it also kind of makes me happy for Lulio as well because kind of got, you know, the shaft last season not being able to go into the playoffs as the top performing team in the regular season. Playoffs having been canceled, of course. So obviously they've kind of put that behind them and said, you know what, let's do it again this year and hopefully the playoffs will, will happen as, as expected this season. So, yeah, it's nice to see Lulio just uh, kind of kind of just rolling into the season like they hadn't even missed a step from last season so <laughs> ever heard of a tampa bay lightning yeah <laughs> uh well, well we'll talk about that later in the the podcast but uh yeah. next game was lynn choping coming away with the 5-4 win over brinas in overtime and we talked about it last episode lynn choping um, they, last season, I believe they were one of the top overtime team. Well, as far as overtime games were concerned, they had some of the most overtime games last season. And we've already seen them in, is it now two out of their four games played have gone to extra time? Yeah, it seems to be the way they're doing it this uh, time around as well. Uh, if they could just grab those W's, things should be heading in the right direction. But they need they need those uh, three-pointers. Um, however, they had a decent outing with their power play. I think they, I believe they scored three or four on the power play last, or sorry, Thursday, that is. Uh, am I right in that? Yeah, I or? believe so. Hold on, let me see. I'm just pulling up the stats right now. But um, it, it's obviously a good thing and a bright spot for them getting all those point, all those goals on the power play. But at the same time, you need a team that can perform five on five. And yeah. that, that's not something we've seen from Lynn Shoping so far this season, at least not a lot of it. And uh uh, you, you know, you got to take advantage of those power plays when you got them, but at the same time, you can't rely on power plays to win games. Exactly. But did, during this kind of ramp up of the new rules, I think you you should really not rely on them on the power play to get your victories, but and at the same time, you should really practice power plays, but because it can be a decisive factor. I yeah, just want to point, the, point out the three power um, play goals. Yeah. I just want to point out that Jonas Junland scored his first goal as a Linköping player since coming back from from Switzerland, and <laughs> the 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 play-by-play guy kind of pointed it out as well. He talked to Jonas Junland before the game, and Jonas Junland was standing choosing between two sticks, and he go he went, "I'm going to use this one," and then he scored. So I had to send Jonas Junland a text message, and I just said, "That's a nice shot," because it was one hell of a shot. He kind of went. Uh, far side with a snapshot, so you don't see that every day from from uh, from a demon. And he went like, yeah, sometimes it bounces the right way, and if he can continue scoring, that looks really good for them. Yeah, and well, another bright spot that uh, Lin Shoping have to take out of this is the fact that they had a real rough second period, giving up three goals and heading into the final frame down by a pair of goals. But in the final five and a half minutes or so of the third period, managed a pair of goals in quick succession to tie things up and then finished it off in the overtime period. And so not going into that third period kind of like feeling like the game's already over they they were able to rally and come away with a with a, a two-point victory so they've definitely got to be happy about that yeah and i honestly thought that would carry over a bit to the Erbro game um especially with the d scoring um two goals with you london jonas holas but but uh, apparently it didn't so back to square that one for for lean shopping 
Uh, now, this game was potentially a bit surprising with how it turned out. Uh, the, the Lakers coming away with a 2-1 victory over Rogla, which I'm sure probably not a lot of people expected. Rogla coming into the season, definitely one of the teams to watch, definitely one of the offensive powerhouses, but uh, they had the one goal in the first period, and that's all she wrote. The Lakers were yeah. able to score one in the second, one in the third, and hold on against a, a very, very talented Rogla team. So that's a big win for the Lakers. The Lakers kind of... How, how should I put it? They kind of put a blanket on, on the Rogla uh, offensive firepower, uh, holding, the, holding them to like eight shots a period on average, or seven shots a period pretty much, uh, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Rogla then kind of excelled against you, Gordon, yesterday as we were recording this, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, it's a nice shot, a nice nice way for, for Beckwith to getting into their group because they really... There were a disappointment last season. We can't really shy away from saying stuff like that. Um, but yeah, those you need to win those low-scoring low affairs, and I believe that was a bit of a boost for, for Vekka, actually. Especially, like you said, beating a team like Rogla in the fashion they did as well. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for the uh, the final game of Thursday night, also potentially a bit of a surprise, Oscar Sham coming out real hard and fast in the first period, scoring three against Faryastad, adding an additional one in the second period, and coming away with the 4-2 victory over Faryastad. So obviously, that's potentially another game that not a lot of people expected to turn out the way it did. I really liked the pre-game interview with Johannes Solomons on, uh, prior to this game. He kind of went, we, we last season we wanted to we wanted to see if what we could do against Ferrisdad. And now we're going to beat them. That's pretty much what they said, word by word. And they went out and kind of played Ferrisdad out of the building because Oscar Sam were really, really good in this game. They really mm-hmm. were. And I, the margin could have been bigger, I got to say. Absolutely. But on the other hand, going into Saturday, let's talk about Oscar Sham and HV71 because HV71 doubling up Oscar Sham 6-3. So yeah. Kind of tough, tough way to come. Obviously, riding high after Thursday night's game for Oscar Sham, and then a bit of a low light for them on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I think I wonder what happened there because Oscar Sam. I didn't watch the game, but Oscar Sam went up to nothing in the first period. Um, or HP uh, Center one um, put a goal, uh, made it two one before Oscar Sam made it three one. But then they just fell completely, letting in five straight goals. I don't know what happened. I haven't seen the game really. Uh, post game, they kind of went <sighs> just reading up on it prior to this. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> prior this, to this episode. Um, but no, I don't know. Something happened, and hopefully, it's it was a bit of a bump in the road for Oscar Sam. Well, you can but yeah. That, that, they lost their fifth straight game to HV71. So Oof. they haven't beat them yet. So that yeah, that's tough to swallow. But you can definitely see when looking at the. Uh, uh, the the game stat sheet that the turning point was definitely at the end of the second period. HV71 scored a pair of goals in under a minute. Uh, the second one coming with just uh, 29 seconds remaining in the period. And so obviously uh, HV71 carried all the momentum into the third period and turned that momentum into another three goals in the third frame. Just absolutely completely outplaying Oscar Sham in the final period to come away with the uh, the 6-3 victory. Those kind of tilted ice goal stints, you don't see that a lot. I have, we've talked about this before on the podcast. We don't see that often in the SHL. You see that quite often in the NHL, i got to say, where a team go, scores one or two or even three goals within minutes of, of each other. So, so um, 
you do, you rarely see that in the SHL. So I, I I might even go back and watch those those goals and watch those the, that period because I want to see what happened there. Yeah, um, but uh, a good bounce back on Saturday afternoon for the Malmo Redhawks after getting shut out on Thursday by your Gordon, able to come away with the 4-2 victory over Faryastad, whose early season struggles continue as well. Yeah, Faryastad, we, first uh, first and foremost, uh, Faryastad had played the Thursday game without Gustav Riedahl, their top center. They'd lost Jacob Nilsson, their second center, second line center, to what looked like a pretty severe injury. Um, the prognosis for Riedel was that he was to be gone for at least for another five weeks, but he made his comeback yesterday, looking really solid in the pro- in the process. Uh, also, uh, Jacob Nielsen was back yesterday. He scored twice actually, um, but first that they they looked they. I don't know what what's going on because they look from time to time they looked like the powerhouse we're used to see them as, but then they kind of. There, you talk a lot about structure and chemistry, and those components are there, but not to more than maybe 80, 85, maybe 90%. You can't have that. You need 100% focus. And I, it might be focused, it might be something else, but something isn't right in Ferrisdaden right now. And I can't put my finger on what it is because from time to time, they look really good and they just can't things get things going. And it might just be bad luck. It might be. Honestly, yeah. Um, but it, it, it because the be, outshot, Malmö, it, you know, you thirty-four, twenty-three, twenty-three. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what they've done so far this season. They've only got two points on the season. They're currently sitting dead last in the league with a minus seven goal differential, and they're only one of two teams that have played five games so far. So they are uh, they're falling behind, and like you said, maybe there's a bit of a consistency issue there. Maybe they're just not feeling it so far. But they've got to get things turned around if they. Uh, uh, if if they want to get things uh, rolling in Faryastad and you know get back to their uh, the, the Faryastad that I guess we're used to be used to seeing. Yeah. Um, on the bright side, let's op- talk about Malmo for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like because first and foremost, uh, Oliver Larsson, their new signed uh, uh, captain, the D man, he's he opened the scoring by. Uh, actually coming in all alone with the uh, first goalie. So you rarely see a defensive D-man coming on a breakaway, but he did, and he finished off really nice between the legs uh, of, of uh, Henrik Haukland. Um, and then they, they just kept going. Three out of the four goals were from D-man. They played a really solid defensive game. It was Ferrystad kind of bounced back at that early, uh, sorry, with an early goal in the third period by Nilsson, and they scored another one like a couple of minutes later. But... Helge Gransman, the future draft pick of some lucky team in the NHL, scored a beautiful slap shot, um, just putting it away for two. So, so yeah, uh, Malmö are looking really solid. Uh, first, uh, not so much. Moving on, Rogla continuing uh, uh, their good start to the season after a bit of a hiccup on Thursday night, coming back with a 5-3 victory over Jurgården. And I got to say, that 5-3 victory... Um, could have been bigger. Um, I, I I watched the game. Um, they're really lethal in the offensive zone, Rugla. Um, and sloppy, getting those second penalties while being down a man. You can't do that. Like they missed their their counting. They were at, at one point there were seven guys on the ice while there were supposed to be four. Um, you, you can't do that. Even if you're young, you, you just can't do that. And Rugla kind of capitalizing on that on those powers plays. I think they scored one. Two, 
three. <laughs> yeah, they scored three out of out of the five goals on the power play. Um, Ugo didn't score twice on the power play, so they kind of broke that deadlock. But but yeah, Daniel Saar scored twice, and Eric Jelinas with a nice slap shot. Regular looking solid. Simon Rifosh. We should mention Simon Rifosh because he actually scored twice, I believe. Um, I gotta read this up. Sorry. He scored no. He scored once, scoring his fourth goal of the season. His best season so far in the SHL is six goal in a complete season. So he's up for a, <laughs> he's up for a real nice season now, and he looked really good doing so. He's so lethal. He's going into that high slot area and moving down from that to towards the goalie, and you kind of can you can see him not shying away, but you know, without drawing any bigger comparison. You know that that kind of thing that Sidney Crosby does when he goes invisible. Yeah, and you kind of people kind of forget about him, and then yeah. he just pops up he, somewhere else and scores exactly. a goal. <laughs> and that's Simon Rivers. He, he did so yesterday. He kind of disappears, comes back, and boom, he fires a one timer. And then he goes back, go, disappears, comes back, boom, another for one timer. And he's just there. He's just there. It's so cool to watch. Yeah, but uh, Rogla, along with Lulio, like I had mentioned previously in the episode, is definitely another team that I was disappointed that I we didn't get to see in the postseason last year, uh, especially with Cody Curran in their lineup. I really think they could have done great things in the postseason last year. So, uh, But they're obviously, uh, like Lulio, just putting it right behind them and uh, picking up right where they left off because they've had a pretty good start to the season so far. So, uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be one of the teams to watch this season for sure. Yeah, should also mention that Johan Gustafsson, their new signing in net, made uh, his debut with uh, Rögle, stopping 26 out of 29 shots. And he lo- looked really solid. He really did. Two other goals came on the power play, so you can't really fault him for that. Now, moving on, uh, one of the teams that has been kind of quietly good to start the season, uh, Brinus, with the, the 3-2 win over Hleftiu, and now currently sit fifth in the standings with uh, seven points overall after four games. Yeah, um... The the thing is, well, first of all, the the game winner came with like a minute and eight seconds to go uh, of the game. I just heard someone in the office while we were working, going, "Holy shit, there's they scored!" <laughs> and uh, but you should, we sh- what you should know from this game is that Kolefio outshot at one point had twenty nine nine in shots on goal. So um, you shouldn't really read too much into the score of course you want those three points but Brunus fired they had 16 shots on goal they had 23 shots attempt uh, with seven shots going uh, past the goal or sorry not hitting the net compared to <clears throat> 39 shots on goal for Coleftio uh, and adding another 24 shot attempts not making it uh, hitting its mark so uh, yeah they came away lucky nothing well else. yeah and uh, one player in particular for Brinus that I think is going to have a great season and he's had a great start to the season after probably underperforming last year is Jaden Deschanel. Yeah. Last year in 46 games, he had eight goals, 10 assists, 18 points. He was a minus 20 on the season. This season, after four games, he's got two goals, five assists for seven points. And so I think I, I think Deschanel has kind of finally found his stride here in Sweden. And I think he's definitely going to be uh, a, a player to watch this season coming up for Brinus. I want to point something out. Sorry, I do agree on, on, on Deschanel. And I think this soft, his sophomore slump is nowhere to be seen. This is what we're going to see from him going forward. I want to point something out on Brinus. Uh, the, their PDO is 105.5 right now. 
which is you, you're supposed to like even it out at a hundred. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which could be a bit of a worry. You can expect the, the RPDO to come down and to for Brunus to kind of lose more. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, I'm not going to go into details. Uh, what should be worrying for you, Gordon, is that they have their high, the highest PDO in the league with 105.7, almost 6.6. So things might be even worse for them. Yeah. And what should worry Linköping is that they're on 99 on the PDO, so not much more can swing their way. It's still early in the season, but yeah, some worries here and there. Uh, now moving on to the next game, the Lakers with, uh, I mean, they had a, a tough back-to-back uh, -back games this this week with taking on Rogel on Thursday. They came away with a 2-1 victory. Unfortunately, it was the same score in their game against Luleo, but they were on the uh, losing end this time with a 2-1 loss against Luleo. However, against a team like Luleo, losing 2-1 isn't, isn't a huge blow to them. I think they played fairly well. Yeah, they did. Um, we should mention that in net for Luleo, Jesper Wallstedt made his SHL debut. He's 17 years old. He stopped 20 out of 21 shots and looked really, really good doing so. So that's that's a big shout-out to him. I, I really like a new goalie making his mark on the biggest scene. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's always nice to see, especially, my goodness, 17 years old. I think he's 17. I think he's turning 18 later on in the season, I believe. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. So No, he is 17. It's I'm just looking at the article on the SHL that's website cool. right now. So, that's yeah, that's huge. Absolutely massive for him. I, I remember wow. us talking about this, raising some question marks. And sure, it's a one-game sample size, but still, he stopped 20 out of 21 shots. He will be the second goalie behind David Ratio. Um, it's really cool. It really it is. is. Yeah, so good for him. Um, obviously, that's uh, just one game, but it looks like that kid certainly got a bright future ahead of him. So yeah. wish him all the best of luck. We have already talked about the 6-4 Arebro Linchoping game. Um, and the other, the final game of the week was for Lunda with the 4-2 victory over Lexand. Yeah, they kind of churned down Lexand, if you will. Um Two, two, two teams uh, off to a high-scoring start to the season, pretty much. Um, but I didn't watch the game. I, I was working with some other games uh, last night with uh, with um, with the SHL. Um, but apparently, Frelunda put up a quite a quite a nice of a team effort. I sh we should point out that Marek Rivik scored twice for Lexan, making hit those his first two goals of the season, having had those eight assists before. Uh, what's really cool is that Robin Alvarez scored for for uh, Frelunda. I think that was his second goal as a Frelunda player. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, Frelunda needed those three points. They really did. Now, uh, okay, so that covers the the, the games uh, for the week. But let's talk about uh, faulty equipment fines, because it seems like at the start of every season, these kind of either fines or penalties are given out, typically for the neck protectors that players are wearing incorrectly. Yeah. And so we we've had some fines so far. Gustav Rydal, Jacob Nielsen, and Merrick Rivik all got fined five thousand SEK, and Lucas Raymond being uh, a two-time of Mark as well. Sorry. Oh, Friedrich Handemark as well. And then Lucas Raymond, being a two-time offender already, got fined 10,000 SEK for uh, uh, faulty equipment. And yeah. I think this is just the league trying to make a statement saying, you know, we want our players to protect themselves. And, um, yeah, I, I think we'll probably see these kind of fines and penalties, 
you know, reduce as the season goes on. But to start the season, I think the uh, the league is trying to send a message to the players to say, you know what, protect yourselves, wear your equipment the way you're supposed to, and we won't have any problems. Pretty much so, yeah. Um, but I, 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 once you've been fined, how can you continue doing this? I, I'm kind of questioning former podcast guest Lucas Raymond here. What What's up with that, really? Um, might be bad luck, yeah. might be whatever. I don't no, know. That's weird. Anyways, uh, should we move on and uh, get to the interview, Marcus Hoax? We should. Yeah, let's let's do it, and we'll be back shortly. Yeah, so uh, Sixton had a chance to sit down in the podcast studio with Marcus Hoekstrom, so enjoy. No, not Marcus Hoekstrom, Marcus Hoekberg. Oh, Marcus Hoekberg, sorry. (laughs) Uh, So enjoy the interview. And welcome to (laughs) yet another uh, try with uh, episode uh, 30. No, 30. We're actually episode 31 in our interview here with Marcus Hoekberg. We were here uh, a couple of days ago and things didn't go to plan. So we're (laughs) we're back here in the small but warm studio. And welcome again, Marcus. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm uh, pretty tired. Uh, I've been practice uh, today, so I'm pretty gassed right now. What did you do today? Uh, upper body workout and um, ended up with uh, some uh, conditioning. So no on ice stuff today? Uh, no. No. How much? How many times today? Uh, a week? Sorry, are you on ice right now? Uh, it depends. Uh, can be like one, two, three uh, ice practice a, a week. Yeah, and you're practicing with uh, your friends right now, like Gustav Forsling. And yeah, and then uh, actually we got the opportunity to practice with uh, under 20 uh, here in Linköping. Oh, okay. So, so that's uh, good for us. Oh, cool. That's cool. So you're it's you and uh, obviously goal, uh, goalie coach Magnus Wernblom. Yeah, M- M- Michael Wernblom. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with the complete squad or just the goalies with the um, squad? Like when I worked with the uh, Wernblom, it's more. Focus on me. <coughs> f- focus on me. So it uh, can be like four four shooters. Okay. So no, like we were talking the, the recording that got lost. We talked about getting those game situations kind of going. Can you get that with the U twenty squad? Uh, yeah. Yeah. F- of course. Uh, uh, they're like a really good uh, uh, group of guys and r- really talented uh, guys. So. I'm just happy to be on ice and feel the puck and get the, some game situation there too. So let's start, before we jump into where we are today and where you are today and your path of going down your NHL path of your career right now, let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Örebro, uh, not long, not that far from uh, from Linköping. It's only about an hour's drive for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with the Swedish geography. Mm-hmm. Um, you grew up there, you started playing there, but you came here in, to Linköping at quite a young age. Um, did you go here for high school? Uh, hockey gymnasium it's yeah hockey Sweden, gymnasium yeah. so I moved uh, from Örebro to Linköping when I was 15 and then uh, that's where I, I started and uh, played three years in the ju- uh, juniors and um, and then I moved uh, moved to uh, Mora uh, second uh, division there and uh, played there a couple of months and and then I got the opportunity to go- come back um, to play in the Playoff in the men's league uh, because of the like other goalie were, were injured and and then after that I spent three years in in the A team and uh, and then now I do my fourth year in uh, North America. Let, because there's a difference moving like in in Canada with the WHL and the QMHL and all that. It's a complete different thing moving here in Sweden when you obviously uh, first and foremost it's not that big of a geo- geographical move but also 
here you actually go to school as well. Not you, you don't kind of leave that behind. So what was it like moving away from home at such a young age for you? Um, I don't know. It, it, it was hard uh, from the beginning and uh, do the laundry and cooking stuff. And uh, I remember my mom and dad did some... Uh, uh, Cook some food and uh, put it in the freezer and like lunch boxes. Yeah, lunch boxes and um, but it was a big step. Uh, I had another guy from my ho- hometown who moved uh, uh, with me, so it was uh, easy for me to get that trans. Uh, what transition? It? Yeah, transition, uh, and then and then everything uh, went really smooth. Did that kind of? Do you think that helped you in any way when you moved? When you finally made your move to North America? Yeah, of course. Like. Uh, I was just a kid when I was moving to to Lean Shopping, so of course uh, that helped me a lot. And nowadays, you you still have your like your home base here. You bought a house in <coughs> the southern part of town, and this is where you ret- return to when you move when you come home after seasons and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Lean Shopping is uh, home for me. Uh, I remember when I was like after first year, I said to my family like. Uh, I'm probably gonna stay here for a while, and uh, and now ten years later, you're, I'm still here. So it's a great, a great city, a good people, and uh, uh, I I like it r- really much. Let's go into the kind of goalie position. Um, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a hockey goalie like most kids because of the gear. What what made you fall in love with the position? Uh, exactly like <laughs> the gear. Uh, it was cool, uh, cool to wearing the the gear and uh, f- uh, like the first time I test uh, yeah test on an ice, uh, I I get caught and and I just love it. Just um, saving the pucks and help the team. Uh, I don't know if I was thinking about that when I was uh, seven years, but. Uh, uh, that was uh, really tough to get the gear on. Did it ever occur to you that you, well, obviously you've been hurt by a puck uh, numerous times, but did it, did it ever occur to you that a puck could hurt that much that, that uh, it, as it can? Uh, no, no, like I didn't think about it too much. Like uh, I just, uh, if you get hurt, it's uh, going to get some bruises and stuff like that. But uh, I never think about that. Because the one thing, whenever I talk to someone, because I'm very into the goalie position myself, and Mm. if I get to choose, I I will be the goalie whenever we play hockey. But but when I talk to people that aren't that much into hockey or maybe just casual watchers, they go like, I would never do that. you got to be insane to do that. Is there something weird about people being goalies? Because everyone I talk to, whether it's in the NHL or the SHL or hockey or whatever, and whenever you talk to like a player mm-hmm. and I say, well, describe your goalie. And the first words that, that come out are, well, they're a different breed. Would you agree that there's something different uh, for a goalie being a goalie? Yeah, but maybe in the like better uh, picture because... It's I'm not saying it's a negative no, thing. No, 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 <laughs> I know that too. <laughs> but it's more like it's a kind of other sport to play. You're more by yourself uh, playing another... Another game, if you know what I mean, there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you have to be like really focused and and uh, yeah, be like uh, on the top when the puck stop uh, drops. And uh, so it's maybe look like like we're a little bit different, but it's more like we're like for me, I. I uh, uh, like it's hard to p- explain, but it's 
I feel it's it's more like more interval and like you have to be focused when when you get to the rink and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Um, you obviously played a few games with uh, well in the Swedish Elite Series, like uh, as it was called back then, but also in the SHL before moving to North America. And um, you told me sometimes before, well, a few weeks before uh, before we're doing this podcast that moving to North America, playing those on those smaller rinks. Um, it kind of fits you in a better way than playing here in Sweden with the bigger rink because it gets more intense. Yeah. Why is that? No, I love the pace more. Like the higher the pace it is, you, you you have to work more and be faster. You have to th- Yeah, you have to think more. Uh not more but faster. Uh you have to be on every time the puck uh, enter like my my zone and stuff like that. So uh I like to get many shots. Uh, I like to to work hard to see the puck and stuff like that. So I like that. But it's so fast. I'm I'm thinking because do you even have time to think, or is it just trusting your instincts? Basically, no, no. I trust like trusting my instinct. You, I think that was the issue first year. Uh, you don't know how everything's gonna work out like the first time you hit the ice so i maybe think like i I was thinking too much uh, the first year uh but uh, when i went back home i'm just uh uh, worked on that and and when i hit my uh, second year i didn't think too much and and it went really good um Coming over um, to to Ottawa, the Ottawa uh, Centers organization and Belleville and all that, you all you all, uh, spent some time in, down in the coast as well. What was that like? Because it's a different, everything's different. Yeah, language, country, uh, social things. Yeah, how much of that, if anything, did affect your game on the ice the first season? Um. I was not used to be like up and down all the time. And uh, my first year, my my aim was to be like play a lot of games in the AHL. But when I was sent down to East Coast, I didn't really understood why I was there. But it was like we, we were like three other goalies who were like really good, and and it took t- some times to like accept it and like here like I'm gonna be here for a while and. And when I suddenly like understand like that the situation was, I just tried to uh, think like uh, I was thinking smarter. Like like, like come on, uh, focusing on yourself. Basically. Yeah, exactly, and not like I was thinking like millions of thoughts. What like where should I be? Like like a lot of lot of my head was so um, mm. heavy and I was like okay come on sh- sh- like shake it off do your best uh, listen to your coaches and and after Christmas I I would send up and uh, and after that year I was like okay I have to be more positive listen to the coach uh, they are here for like, like help like helping me and, and, and stuff like that so uh, but uh, when I was in the coast uh, that helped me to like figure out like that when you are in AHL, like you you appreciate what you're getting there and, and because I was in in East Coast and and the players who play there they are like you don't get the stuff for free and 
and that's uh, that's tough that, down there. Uh, a lot of bus rides and, and, and like 24 hours in the bus and, and stuff like that. So you see, you see the the life in the different uh, uh, picture there. It is. Um, it's a, it's a different way of life, obviously. But but I want to go move a bit forward in time yep. um, to this past season, uh, where you got a new new coach in DJ Smith, who came in from from the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Um, and at one point, I can't remember whenever this was, but sometime during the winter, he he actually said that my job this spring is to play. Well, Marcus, well, you uh, as much as he can, and uh, well, he did. You you got you got the opportunity, and you pretty much grabbed it by the horn and ran with it. W- getting into that groove, how was that? Just getting into that NHL groove. Um, no, that w- w- was uh, hard from like the beginning. My uh, last like two two years ago, I get four four games, and that helped me to like oh. Uh, uh, see what's what's coming when I was up uh, this year, um, but the group and the staff was amazing. So it was easy to transform from the HL to to NHL, and and then uh, like it's a, NHL is a really <laughs> good uh, uh, good league there and a really good player. So, but uh, it went good, and uh, I happy uh, about my my season there. We might. We're, this is a hard transition, but your season wasn't all uh, gravy. Your father passed away pretty much suddenly. Um, and uh, for the listeners, I know you're pretty comfortable t- talking about this. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's why fine. the hard transition. Um, we've talked about this at length before, so uh, I, otherwise I wouldn't have made that that hard transition. But could you just describe to the listeners what 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 kind of happened and how it all came? Well, what what happened? Yeah, yeah, no, no, like, uh, my mommy, mommy sees the call from, like, nowhere that uh, my dad had a brain tumor, uh, and they didn't know how bad it, like, how bad it was, so that was, like, before a game, like, the day before the game, and I gonna, like, uh, I was supposed to play that game, and, um, and we talked, and... Was this a home game or an away yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, home, home game. game. Oh. So I was in a hotel, and yeah, the, ne- the next the next day I I went to to the rink and told my situation, my family situation with my goalie coach and and the head coach. And the first thing they they said was like, "Do you want to go home?" And I said like, "Ah, I want to play the game for my dad uh, and then see after game how I feel." And and yeah. So I played the game. Uh, was was a tough game to play, but we won in. Um, was in no no was in a shootout uh, against the Red Wings. Yeah, against yeah. the Red Wings. Uh, the guys picked up the the puck and gave it to me, and I was so emotional after the game. Everything just went went out, uh, crying, and uh, my goalie coach and head uh, DJ bring me to the side and like you have to go home like you go home tomorrow so i was just packing my bags and uh, and go directly to my hometown to visit my dad in the hospital Uh, so i spent six seven days uh, uh, back home with him uh, watching some some hockey uh, back home and uh, uh, but the I could see that he was not like he was different, but he was okay because uh, he was on uh, cortisone, 
and uh, when the two days before uh, I was going back I told him like do, do you want me to go back and he said like the best thing for me Marcus is to that you go like you going back and, and play games uh, so I went back so when I was heading to Anaheim he was uh, doing the surgery everything went like good uh, but uh, three days uh, after surgery the the doctor said it's no chance that he is gonna survive that so it took two three weeks uh, after he passed away so it was <laughs> really tough uh, because when he was w waking up for <laughs> after the surgery, the first thing he said, like, where's my iPad? I want to see Swedish Hockey League. So that was fun. So I was like, oh, he's back. He's yeah, back. Yeah. And but suddenly uh, he he didn't make it. So. We should also tell the ones who don't know that he was actually your goalie coach for quite some time as well. So he he's obviously played a big part. Both oh, yeah, oh, yeah for those. sure. Uh, he formed me that the goalie where I'm at like now and uh, I like we had a really good relationship <coughs> uh, uh, like he was my goalie coach on ice but after he was my dad so we we could see, like it was a really good relationship so could you make a distinction there was it was it easy to go from him being a coach to being your dad yeah was, because yeah. sometimes you unfortunately you kind of see that in quite a few youth hockey teams that the dad's coaching can't really make that difference uh, or they're too much of a coach or there might be too much of a dad on the ice yeah. and but there wasn't any issues there no 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 he, he was so good at to separate when he was on ice he was uh, my goal coach and he put some not pressure but like uh, we talked like i want to be good good as possible so he uh, so he challenged me and then after practice back home to uh, to the house he was like yeah we were talking about the game or or practice but when we was home he was yeah my dad so i really appreciate that uh, uh, that he did that too was he when when you moved on this we were gonna leave the topic but i yeah. I, I just think, thought of a question actually when when you moved on in your career moving to lynch and then to north america you told me um he came over for a father's trip yep. was it ever like he talked to your goalie coach was there any like out of pure, how should I say, workman-like interest for him to know how your goalie coaches in your career have worked with you or anything like that? Did well, he have, was he an, a, a, like interested in how are they coaching Marcus right now or what are no, they doing? No, no, no. Like uh, he was like, of course it was in interesting, but uh, no, not really. It was like, yeah, you're doing your own, th own thing and I'm going to support you wherever you do. So... Uh, no, that was amazing. That's awesome. To spend some time with him in Florida and, and yeah. Tampa to just see. Was this this past season or the season before that? No, this this, this past season. season yeah. Yeah, yeah, past season. So, I think he was really really proud because we didn't talk so much feelings, but I know like uh, uh, the family was everything for him. So, so we had like a really good yeah, like I said, good relationship, good talk and. Uh, when he was uh, back home in Sweden, he, he he told me like he said that he was so happy for me and proud and and uh, yeah, that was a really good memory that I'm gonna bring the, the whole uh, the whole life.
it's it's a it's a beautiful and touching story obviously yeah, um, yeah. um we we if you haven't said that already we're obviously very sorry for your loss yeah. and, and uh well life goes on no matter yeah no matter what ha- what happens um nowadays with the current hockey obviously the SHL are playing now as we are talking today the NHL just finished the Stanley Cup finals we really don't know when you're about to fly over when that happens for for camp and whatever how much do you follow hockey today have you been watching the stanley cup or are you watching uh, the shl or? i saw some highlights uh, in playoff but i'm not really a sport human like watching all the sports uh, i'm see some highlights and yesterday i saw uh, lean shopping uh one over Brinas. Brynäs, yeah. So I so saw five minutes in the in the third, and uh, and then uh, they got two points in after shootout. So it was good for them. It was uh, uh well overtime actually, but uh, was uh, overtime. Um, sorry, sorry. Uh, you got the f- probably the best five best minutes of that game anyway. Exactly. So you, so, you got to yeah. pick your moments. Eh? Good timing. Yeah. So what do you do when you're not playing hockey now- nowadays? What do you you fixing your house or hang out with your girlfriend and dog or yeah what do you guys uh, have to no we just hanging out with our friends uh, now when you're a house owner you take care of the garden and stuff like that but uh, now I'm working out uh, uh, hang yeah hang out with your friends and yeah spend time recording a podcast yeah <laughs> recording in the hot box <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're about to finish this uh, yeah. sauna recording for today <laughs> but um Thank you so much for joining us, Marcus, and thank you for. Well, actually, I have, do have one more question yeah, sure. for the coming season. Do you have, do you kind of set your goals for the coming season whenever you plan your season, or is it just head on, let's see what happens, kind of thing? Uh, no, no. Like I want to take the next step to to be a regular uh, NHL goalie and take the opportunity and uh, yeah, play more games and see. And when I'm he- heading over again, uh, I'm just gonna. Don't think, just play. <laughs> I think that's the best way forward. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us, Marcus. And we might do uh, like a Skype thing when you're yeah, sure. over in uh, North America again. Sounds good. I'm awesome. in. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Once again, a big thank you to Marcus Hogberg uh, for joining Sixth End in studio in Lynn Shoping. And uh, Sixth End, obviously, he has uh, gone through a bit of personal tragedy over his uh, life recently. So it was uh, interesting to hear him talk about that. What amazes me about him is that he's quite open with it. Um, it might be a way of, for him to kind of work with it, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's. Um, I don't know how to put it re- really because it's a fine line between sounding kind of overly dramatic and not sounding emotional enough. But I, I really like his way of kind of talking about it, how he's so structured in his talk about his father. I don't know if I would be able to put to keep things together uh, while talking to someone, not as a complete stranger. Obviously, we know each other, but but um, but still, like as open as he does, it's it's um, credit credit to him for doing so, and thank you so much, Marcus, for sharing. I should say. Yeah, and it's obviously it's a it's a tough topic, like you said. I don't know if I'd be able to stay composed enough to be able to speak uh, about it if I was in his same situation. But um, no, it's uh, it, it it it's obviously um, nice to hear him be able to to speak openly about it and kind of like 
I don't know, I guess part of his grieving or healing process as well. Yeah. So I I almost intended to ask him and I might do so at a, at another point, but I'm I, I I get the feeling that he might do something on his mask for, with his dad, like some some tribute. Might be might not be a picture or something. I, I I'm I get the feeling, I don't know why, but he he strikes me as, as a person who would do that and um yeah. It was a it was a nice call. The first time he told me, I, we were actually having lunch. Uh, he told me the complete story. I was writing an article about it, uh, about him as a goalie, and I almost broke down crying actually because uh, he got so it, it went so deep, and there was stuff that I couldn't really fathom, or actually the stuff that I didn't put in the piece that I felt like was more he just needed to talk, you know. And uh, yeah. that's that's uh, that's. A, it's an honor to be able to listen to the people kind of tell you stuff like that, but also it's kind of, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It goes to show yeah. that everyone's a human. Absolutely. Now, let's move on, because yeah. I want to talk about the fact that we have a number of players right now to start the season absolutely lighting up the score sheet. Uh, yeah, Merrick, Rivick, first and foremost. <laughs> Merrick Rivick, first and foremost. I mean, we talked about him at the end of last season and talked about how he was probably going to be the top powerhouse for Lexend as far as offense. I don't think anybody was expecting this from him, though. Four games, two oh. goals, eight assists. He's got a two and a half point per game average right now. Uh, and it's he has just, 17 shots on goal, which is quite impressive. 17 shots on goal. Um, and then Lexand, both Camper and Solaric have seven points as well. Uh, so Lexand is getting some massive, massive offensive production from their uh, their top guys. Yes, but we should point out that Marek Rivik is averaging 23 minutes, 52 seconds a game as a forward. As a Carter forward, Camper, which is Carter Camper is averaging 21 minutes, 25 seconds, and that Pierre Solaric is 23 minutes, 55 seconds. So they're playing them a lot. Um, let's compare that, because I have the stats in front of me, Marek Rivik, obviously top of the standings as a player, top top scorer right now, 10 points. Borna Rendulic, which is someone I suppose you wanted to talk about as well. He's got five goals and three assists for eight points in four games. He's averaging 16 minutes, 56 seconds. Of course, there's a, there's a complete difference in lineup. I mean, Erebro is more stacked than Lexan. Lexan should be playing their top players as much as they can. But on four, in four games, that's okay. But what happens in... 24 games what happens in 44 games what 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 will this look like after 52 games would will mark rivik carter camper and peter Solaric be able to keep that pace over a 52 game season i don't think so i Do don't you? think so e no i don't think so either and uh, i mean in the shl you see it in the nhl every season you get guys that are far far above the point per game average but it's not something you often see at the end of the season in the shl oh. so i just wanted to point out the fact that Obviously, this isn't a maintainable pace for most players, but right now we have 22 players who are above a point per game average with four oh. or five games played. 22 players right now are a point per game are, are above a point per game average. That's insane. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I just want to go back to those Lexon players because you know you don't want to fall behind in the beginning of the season, and Lexon we still believe they will be somewhere around the bottom, maybe not bottom two, but bottom four or five teams. And you need those points early to get away from that. So in playing their top stars as much as they are, I, I, I do believe that they're, they're going down the right path as of now. 
They do, but like you said, the uh, especially Merrick Rivick, I don't think you can be playing Merrick Rivick 23, 24 minutes a night and expect him to be able to play the entire season the way he has been playing. But also, it goes to show that Lexand lacks depth. Because yes. they have three of the top four point getters right in the league. They only have four points on the season and sit ninth overall. Yeah. So, so should, that should be a worry. Um, they only have five players with more than one point, which is uh, tells you a lot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there are question marks, but it's a bit of a, you know, keeping up appearance in a, in a way. And as long as Rivik, Celarik, and Camper are scoring, people will look at them. People will believe Lexand is perhaps better than they are. They will intimidate opponents. They will... Yeah, but then again, when you read those plays, when you read them, when you when you break down their line, when you maybe take someone out, what will happen? So, yeah, Lexan has their work cut out for them. They need to get Patrick Sakrison going. He was signed to score goals last season. He's averaging six, 16 minutes, 16 seconds right now. He's got three assists in four games. That's good, but not great. Um, he's their captain. He should be leading the way, literally. Um yeah, they got question marks. And I can see them making another signing should perhaps if we get fans back in the stands, people, they get some money going. I believe Lexander would be in for another player or two. And yeah. they must be. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk, you know, about uh, some of those top players and the fact that there's a lot of players right now that are producing uh, quite well offensively. But uh, let's take a look now at just kind of the team stats in general. So let's go down the standings. Arebro, obviously, right now, top of the leaderboard. Um, uh, both them and Lulio undefeated. Arebro just at the top because they've got plus eight to Lulio's plus seven. Uh, Lulio, not as much of a surprise, but did you expect Arebro to get off to a start like this? I really didn't. Um, but like like we touched on earlier, they, they got their man in Borna Rendulic. He's paving the way both on the power play on 5-on-5. Five five. He's so skilled. His uh, chemistry, that's the buzzword there uh, with, with Matthias Bromier, former podcast guest, is really awesome to see. They scored a really nice goal against Lexand uh, Thursday where Bromier kind of, they played a give-and-go kind of thing where Bromier, everyone believed Bromier were to shoot because he has a, had a nice angle on the goalie, but he instead he just let it over to Brendulic, who, well, he literally crashed the net, but he scored before doing so. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah, they got they got something going. But what happens when Bromé leaves for the, the Detroit Red Wings? Nobody knows. We'll see. Well, that it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of players right now that are playing uh, on kind of. Uh, non-permanent contracts just because of what's going on in the NHL. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see once the NHL restarts and all these guys head over to North America, how the teams yeah. will adjust to uh, filling those holes. But uh, moving on to two teams that I don't think is surprising to anyone that they've had a good start to the season, both Rolanda and Rogla with nine points on the season, three wins yeah. each. No, I was, to be honest, I pretty much expected Rogla to, be on 12, to have 12 points by now. Um, that loss against the Lakers are well. It didn't came come as a shock, but they, I, th- I thought they were going to beat the Lakers as well because there's a difference between the teams. And if we go through with the season completely over four games against the Lakers, I, I would expect Ruggler to win at least three. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then speaking of the Lakers, them and Brinas round out the top six. The Lakers in sixth with six points and Brinas sitting fifth overall with seven points through four games, which both of those teams, I, I'd say it's off to a bit of a surprising but good start. Yeah, we mentioned Brinas uh, before, um, the Lakers. Yeah, somewhere around where we probably would expect them to finish between sixth and tenth. Um, yeah, solid start. And Victor Oscar. Fast is looking is looking really good in net. That's yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, also yeah, yeah. Eric Shelgren has been playing quite been playing most of the games, I believe, and yeah. he looks solid as well. So they got a nice goalie tandem going. Yeah, uh, Oscar Sham sitting seventh overall with six points on the season, right behind them. Haleftiu with five points. I think Haleftiu was obviously not off to the start that they wanted, and probably not off to the start that a lot of people expected. No, but I think they'll find their groove. Um, they got a lot of big pieces um, still looking to score those goals. What's interesting is that Jesper Fredin, the hat-trick man of early, has five goals in four games, which is really good for him. But looking at the like the team stats or player stats in Skellefteå, we I do expect more from from Oscar Mödler. He's got one assist in four one assist, sorry, in four games. Um, once they get those, uh, because we still have Oscar Mödler's got one point. Joachim Lindstrom's got uh, no points, and it, despite shooting twenty four, there's our twenty two shots on goal. So once the stars get things going with Kolefjö, uh, I think Kolefjö will make their climb. That's yeah, what, uh, pretty much what I say when you cut out. Yeah, and uh, anyways, we had talked about Lexand, uh, ninth overall with just four points on the season. Your Gordon, obviously, just with the single win so far, sitting 10th overall on the season. And then HV71, Malmo, and Lynn Shoping. Well, actually, your Gordon, HV71, Malmo, Lynn Shoping, all with three points so far this season. Yeah, and HV71 being uh, the only team amongst those with five games played. Your Gordon and Malmo with three, Lynn Shoping with four. Um, I, I pretty much expect all four bottom teams to make the climb should Lynch Shepping get their goal situation under control. If not, they're in for a hell of a season. Yep, and then Far Eastad sitting dead last right now with just two points on the season, so they're looking to turn things around. But really sixth, and uh, we should probably mention the fact that we've got some postponed games coming up. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, it would have been the derby between Rögle and Malmö. That game has been moved. We don't know uh, a new date for that, so it's a TBD. And also a game in January, so it doesn't really matter uh, right now. It's um, just a, they moved from a Wednesday to a Thursday, so it doesn't matter. But the big thing is the um, regular against Malmö Tuesday is not to be played on Tuesday. It will be moved to a later date. Now, do we have a reason for that? Or... No. We don't. Okay. But, but I su- suspect it has to do with things. Probably. But uh, other than that, the uh, week coming up looks fairly similar to the past week. Uh, Thursday sees all 14 teams in action. And then Saturday sees 12 of the 14 teams in action. So another couple full days of hockey coming your way this week. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to... Uh, actually, I'm looking forward to Ferlunda Brinas, but I, because I want to see what Brinas can come up with the with their PDO being the way it is, uh, their games going the way they are. Um, I'm also looking forward to see what Oscar Sam can put up against the Rogla. That's really interesting. And uh, a big game for both Lynn Choping and Faryastad on Thursday night as both those teams look to pull themselves uh, uh, out of the bottom. Yeah, that could be a lot of anxiety in both teams early on in the season. And you don't want to go down in that game early because I think that that would put uh, get into their heads stuff. So, uh, yeah, 
Uh, first goal, <laughs> you say it a lot. First goal will be uh, very important, but I, I really believe that in this game, that the one who scores the first goal there, or sorry, the one who lets in the first goal will be the one uh, chasing uh, use, uh, double up, so to speak. Yeah. Well, uh, before we wrap up this week's episode, should we just quickly touch on the NHL, which of course has wrapped up an incredible and very successful postseason, giving the or given the circumstances. Yeah, let's just shout out everyone involved for making it happen in Toronto, in Edmonton, team staff, players, uh, NHL staff, the Ice Guys. TV staff, anyone who's been involved. It's been so much fun to watch. It's been so cool. Uh, the arrangements, obviously, the it's come out uh, a news item here and there that the hotel life hasn't always been great, but no surprise there, really. For us, or at least me as an onlooker, as a fan, as someone who loves the NHL, it's been amazing. It's just been a great success. It's, yeah, you look at it and, you know, when it was first proposed, the bubble situation, the cities, when it was first proposed, it looked like it, like, it was such a ambitious idea and they just, they pulled it off to perfection. They really did. They did something like 33,000 tests over the, the two, two and a half months, whatever it was. They didn't have any positive cases whatsoever. They were testing everyone every two weeks and um, well, every, so every, it, every week, right? Was it every week? Okay, yeah. But because it's just I think there were a couple of thousand tests a week, actually. Yeah. But oh, never mind. There were no cases. That's the most important thing. So And and yeah, you're gonna we're gonna be able to look back on it and just it's it's an, it, it was an incredible feat pulled off to perfection. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm happy for Tampa Bay as well after their uh, kind of collapse in the postseason last year. Uh, getting swept by uh, Columbus after being one of the most successful regular season teams basically in NHL history. And so uh, well-deserved, well-fought, and uh, big congratulations to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, yeah, big congratulations basically to everybody involved in that situation because, yeah, like I said, it was just pulled off to perfection. Yeah, and I mean, a, a massive congratulations to Victor Hedman. Uh, being awarded the Count Smythe Trophy as well. Um, looking at those home videos when 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 the Lightning came back to Tampa, it almost had me in tears, man. It's so cool to watch those videos when people come back home. Um, but you got to mention, I mean, we got to mention the Dallas Stars. Looking at that, watching at that press conference with Jamie Benn, it broke my heart. It really did. I, I've been kind of hard on the guy before. With him not being as you know, maybe it's as as emotional, uh, emotionally attached to a press conference, but you can see why. I mean, obviously they do get bored, but watching him up on that podium, lost for words, just having lost the the, the probably the hardest Stanley Cup Finals ever. Um, you got to feel for everyone in on, on the Dallas Stars team, and they made such a run. They had such a run. They had such a team. Hard, and, hard fought, and all credits to them. They put up one hell of a fight, but you can't really stop the Tampa Bay right, Lightning right now. And like you said, probably one of the hardest Stanley Cup finals, uh, in my opinion, to lose because being separated from your family for two, two and a half months almost probably feels to them like the fact that they didn't win, that it exactly. wasn't worth it. 
And so that that's a real tough pill to swallow, even more so than a, just, you know, a regular Stanley Cup loss. But yeah, it's uh yeah, I watched that Jamie Jamie Ben conference and, and that was yeah, it it's it's tough and it's it's it broke it's my heart. Hard. It really yeah. did. Um, oh yeah. Got a feel for the guy. Well, you you know what what would be interesting in like I don't know a year maybe two years. Those people no the the or the books book or books being written about this because someone will do it and I'm really looking forward to read that because there will be stories that we haven't heard of yet. There will oh, be yeah, I'm sure insights be... and plays and stuff we we haven't heard or seen anything about yet. Oh yeah, I'm sure there'll be you know academic papers written about how it was pulled off and everything like that. There'll be books yeah. written. It'll be honestly this this postseason is is going to be like a source for a, absolutely massive source for hockey trivia just because of the play in round and the points scored and just all the incredible stories coming out of this postseason. It's uh, yeah, we're going to be able to look back on it and realize, man, what 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 a postseason that was. Yeah. It would have been awesome if they had done like uh, you know those road to winter classic kind of things, but just without everyone knowing, just putting it out in a year. This is what we did. Boom, you have would, like yeah. a streaming success. Have, have, have awesome. a camera crew kind of following around, and yeah, that would have been kind of. Uh, anyways, I think we've kind of reached the end of this week's episode. So yeah, oh, you and we're going thing. to shout out our patrons this time, damn it, because uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we keep sorry. forgetting to I'm, do that. Yeah, I'm really sorry, guys. It's my, it's on my kind of thing, and I, I forgot. So, so I'm really, really sorry. Uh, we do appreciate every one of our patrons. Um, we've got our patrons. I'm gonna say their names in a minute, but I'm really sorry once again. I forgot this, but thank you so much for talking. To Thomas, Danulo, Linus, Andreas, Tobias, who's actually the one providing our intro and outro, Anton, Zachary, and Lucas for supporting our plucky little show. And thank you for 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 donating your time and and money. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And as a patron, we should mention you do get some some advantages. You do get to ask questions for our interviews. Uh, we post here and there. We post on, on the patron site stuff for you guys. We're gotta do that more uh if you have questions send them our way we'll do it we'll do i don't know top five greatest moments in the shl if you want just have our patrons write to us and we'll provide you with stuff absolutely all right that does also, it thank for you to hockey sorry we should yes absolutely yeah because they've for been reposting all of our stuff on twitter and helping us uh, get some more listeners, which is always very much appreciated. But uh, yeah, that just about does it for episode 31 of Across the Pond. Uh, my name's David Ashbaugh. His name is 610 Funquist. Wash your hands, stay safe, and as, of course, as always, support your local business in these trying times. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk later, guys. Bye.